0: Welcome to Native America Calling, I'm Sean Spruce. Along with Facebook, Instagram and Snapchat, Twitter is one of those social media outlets that help individuals connect with each other and is a tool for outlets like Native America Calling to connect with the public. But Twitter has been making some erratic decisions lately, some of which are giving people misleading information and some could be dangerous. Are they crossing the line for some Twitter users? We'll get perspectives right after the news.
1: This is National Native News. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. Tribes from the U.S. and Canada are again calling on government officials to stem pollution flowing from British Columbia coal mines into international waterways. Aaron Bolton reports the tribes say lack of action from both countries is harming fish populations.
2: More than 10 tribes issued an open letter calling on the U.S. and Canada to reach an agreement during bilateral talks this week that would stop selenium pollution from B.C. coal mines that's making its way into Lake Kukanusa and the Kootenai and Columbia rivers, all transboundary water bodies. Last month, President Joe Biden and Canada's Prime Minister Justin Trudeau announced the two countries would strike a deal this summer to, quote, reduce and mitigate selenium pollution. The tribes are calling for both countries to authorize international joint commission involvement. The IJC settles transboundary water disputes between Canada and the U.S. For National Native News, I'm Aaron Bolton.
1: Alaska Native language experts shared their personal stories at the state capitol last week. They were there to give an update on a Native Language Advisory Council and seek support for indigenous languages. KMBA's Rhonda McBride reports. Dr.
3: Waukee Charles told a gathering of lawmakers and their staffers that at the age of 12, he was taken away from his home in Amonic and sent to a boarding school. He said his mother only spoke the Yupik language or Yukton and didn't understand what happened to him
0: every time she heard a plane approaching to our village that once a week, she was hoping I would be in that plane returning home, but I never did.
3: Charles said he was also ripped away from his heart language and didn't reconnect to it until he was in college. Two years ago, Charles became the first native director of the Alaska Native Language Center at the University of Alaska Fairbanks. Yayuk Bernadette Alvana Stimfel an Inupiaq language leader recalled what she felt as a child. I could remember being a non-English speaker at five years old, making us to sing this song. I am a little teapot, short and stout. <laughs> In my five-year-old Inupiaq mind, I uh, say I am not a teapot. Kune Lance Twitchell told the group that there are 23 Alaska
4: Native languages, and a few of those are no longer spoken. We don't like the word extinct. We prefer dormant because we've seen languages come back.
3: Kune says with only 30 fluent speakers of Clinkit, it hasn't been easy to rescue his language, but it is possible.
4: Imagine if you could, if the English language went three generations without creating a single new speaker. Then imagine if you could watching a child sit down at a table full of elders who could then speak to that child and that child understands them.
3: In his work as head of the native language program at the University of Alaska Southeast, Huné has helped to create a new generation of Flinket speakers. He says those who work at the state capitol also have an important part to
4: play. Everybody who works in this building for the people, that when you walk through those doors every day, maybe you could just give yourself an affirmation. And that affirmation is this, no language dies on my watch. I'm Rhonda McBride.
1: Oklahoma state lawmakers have approved a bill to allow Native students to wear traditional regalia to graduation. The bill passed the House this week. The Oklahoman reports schools in the state have come under scrutiny in recent years for trying to ban students from wearing eagle feathers or other regalia to graduation. The bill still needs to be signed by the governor. I'm Antonia Gonzalez.
2: National Native News is produced by Kewanik Broadcast Corporation, with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting.
5: Support by the American Indian Higher Education Consortium, working to ensure tribal colleges and universities are included in our higher education system. Information on 37 tribal colleges and universities at AIHEC.org. Support by the Gathering of Nations Pow Wow, a live event taking place April 27th, 28th, and 29th on the Pow Wow Grounds of Expo New Mexico, featuring song, dance, traders market, horse parade, and more. Tickets available at GatheringOfNations.com and at the gates.
2: Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.
0: This is Native America Calling. Many social media experts call Twitter's decision to offer a paid verification blue check mark a complete disaster. The social media platform is also forcing the verifications on celebrities who say they don't want them, and the organization is verifying some people who aren't who they say they are and others who are no longer alive. That comes after Twitter started labeling public media organizations as state-affiliated media. A phrase usually reserved for outlets whose content is controlled by the government. To add to Twitter's questionable decisions, a new analysis by the Information Sciences Institute finds average daily hate speech on Twitter has nearly doubled since Elon Musk took over. Musk has reinstated more than 60,000 banned accounts and has all but eliminated the staff that monitored messages that espouse violent white supremacist views. Today we'll hear from Native people who are ditching Twitter, others who aren't, and some Waiting to see what happens next. Give us a call to share your thoughts about Twitter. 1-800-996-2848. Once again, that number 1-800-996-2848. Speaking with us now from Denver, Colorado is Raven Payment. She's a frequent Twitter user and member of the Missing and Murdered Indigenous Relatives Task Force in Colorado. She's Ojibwe and Mohawk. Raven, welcome back to NAC
6: hi good morning thanks for having me
0: also speaking with us today in portland oregon is b toasty oster they are a staff writer for high country news and toasty is a citizen of the choctaw nation of oklahoma toasty welcome to our show
2: hi thanks i'm happy to be here
0: raven i'd like to start with you today. Since last year's highly controversial acquisition of Twitter, it seems like just one contentious move after another over there by that social media giant. Twitter's media labeling is just the latest in a string of upending changes. What's your take on the recent back-and-forth labeling of media?
6: Um, yeah, I don't know that I've put a a ton of thought of what the labeling of media necessarily is. Um, I think that we're broaching this really gray area of territory where media, instead of being looked at as a factual basis for our information, is starting to be spun into almost entertainment. Um, You see it with clickbait of headlines, um, censorship, and um, not promoting with the algorithm like certain hashtags, that sort of thing. And to me, it seems a little disconcerting.
0: Now, are you still using Twitter?
6: I am still using Twitter right now. Um, There's a really large following of um, Native and other um, underrepresented voices on Twitter still um, that I find very powerful and easier to find and seek out on my own than other social media platforms. But I do watch it with a little bit of trepidation knowing that um, there is an uptick in hate speech And also just the general uneasy feeling of a lot of individuals not feeling safe, and I find it really important to acknowledge that and support those individuals as well.
0: Now, we often refer to Native Twitter, which is kind of this uh, larger term for just, you know, different Native issues, Native events, things like that. Are you noticing any changes in, in how folks are using native Twitter or content, or just anything different over the past six months or so?
6: I think anecdotally, um, it's been harder to to find native Twitter, like the hashtag, for example, or those accounts, um, to organically have them pop up in the news feed. Um, Typically, I've seen, like, I have myself have had to go seek those people out, you know, where I realize I haven't seen someone in my feed for a few days and a few weeks. And it turns out they're still active. They're just not popping up through that algorithm. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of what I'm seeing on my end.
0: And why do you think that is, that the algos aren't uh, working in a way that allows you to see some of this content?
6: Um, I've never... I'm no longer um, optimistic enough in assuming that, you know, there isn't um, malicious intent behind there. We've seen on other apps, specifically Instagram, where the MMIW and the MMIR hashtags were disabled, for example, on May 5th for um, MMIW and MMIR Awareness Day. So when you think about, you know, activists on, you know, Native Twitter and Indigenous communities worldwide, where they've been using Twitter as this platform to organize and spread information for, you know, things like um, environmental activism, you know, going against these pipelines, going against, you know, our government administrations that are promoting, um, you know, pipelines and things like that that we're not agreeing with. I wouldn't be surprised if these algorithms are being muted so that it's harder for us to organize and resist against those scenarios.
0: Raven, you mentioned pipeline protests, uh, other forms of activism. I mean, is it is it possible to understate the impact that Twitter has had on, on Native communities and just giving Native people a voice and a platform to, to share and express their views?
6: Um, understate, absolutely. I think it has been... Pivotal in organizing and sharing voices and even having an opportunity to directly at your representative or at a corporation or at a CEO and in many circumstances, those accounts are not being managed by a third party or a third person. So, there has always been a greater chance that those people would see our opinions, our perspectives and even being able to interact with news organizations. So I think Twitter especially has been like pivotal in being able to do that and share our experiences as native people.
0: Giving voice to the masses like that, uh, exactly like you mentioned a CEO, or even I've I just learned like, if you have a customer service issue or something like that, you, in the old days you'd call these 1-800 numbers. <laughs> Who knows if you ever got it hold of anybody, but now, uh, you post something uh, on a platform like Twitter or other social media and bang, you know, they respond right away because it's so public. But I mean, some of these issues that, that we're hearing about today, we're talking about today, internal management, ethical issues. I mean, uh, do you see in any way that Twitter could could be a disservice to Native people now, Raven?
6: Um, I mean, I yes and no. I feel like there's always a way that um, – your own words or your own perspective can be used against you. Um, but again, i I always want to stress the importance of, you know we're we're living in this time where we finally have a platform to utilize our voices, where in the history of being native people, you know, we've you know always had this oppressive majority that has tried to silence us. And, you know, platforms like Twitter, have just been so important for us to be able to be heard and to create movements and, you know, promote these issues that we find important and, um, you know, pivotal in moving our communities forward in a, in a good way.
0: We're going to be talking with our other guest, uh, Be Toasty Oster shortly, Raven, about alternatives to Twitter. And I know one that some people are moving to is this platform called Mastodon and, I know you have a Mastodon account. I mean, is that an, an option for Bill? Like, hey, I'm, you know, this Twitter thing, it's getting weird. I'm not comfortable anymore. I want to try something else. What do you think?
6: So, I personally, I do have a Mastodon account, but it hasn't, I'm also probably showing my age here, it hasn't been <laughs> as comfortable for me um, to use or as intuitive for me as Twitter has been, for example. And I know that's more of a a me problem where I actually need to sit down and start using it and interacting with it. Um, But, you know, Twitter was one of those apps where as soon as I jumped on, it was really easy and really comfortable for me to navigate. So, um, personally, I'm not there with Mastodon yet, but I have a feeling I'm going to be forced to be. So um, I am looking forward to hearing about alternatives, though.
0: And Raven, what about people that just say, look, yeah, you know, Twitter, it's not perfect, there are issues, but but a lot of it just has to do with how you use it and being responsible and educating yourself on, on how to, you know, understand the algorithms and things like that. I, I mean, what's your response to that for people that just, you know, can use the platform, but do it in a more responsible way?
6: Um, well, it's interesting. Responsibility to me is understanding that our our words have weight. Um, and, and being comfortable and standing behind the things you say or the things you interact with, because there are some people who will like something and it will show up in your newsfeed and you're like, oh, my, that's um very lewd for a Monday afternoon. <laughs> um, so I, I think that's always important is to understand what that responsibility means um, to you personally and that, you know, if you're using Twitter to be hateful as opposed to holding someone accountable for being problematic, then, you know, those are very personal values um, that probably lend to a larger discussion.
0: It, it very much feels at times like we're living in the wild west era of the information age. And do you ever think like maybe what we're going through now are just some growing pains and just making these adjustments? Cause this is just a complete shift in, in how we socialize and it even impacts like the way we think and our brains and, do you think eventually, you know, as we move forward, we'll just kind of figure this stuff out and, and these platforms will just kind of organically just kind of figure out the best way to to allow us to communicate? Or do you think like there's just like a, a bigger systemic issue here that just needs to be fixed and it needs to be fixed now?
6: Well, I think in the case of Twitter, you know, we have a, a billionaire at the helm right now who is making interesting decisions. And I'll leave that to the experts who work in more capitalist structures to to argue about. So I think when you understand, though, like, what is this person's agenda and what we're being fed on Twitter? So there is, you know, implications right now. I just saw a headline that um, there's an uptick in propaganda on Twitter now. So while we organically, as individuals, um, can probably adapt to what we're seeking out what we're trying to see what the app is feeding us is coming from somewhere else and again it goes back to those algorithms and stuff so are we being fed propaganda and are our voices being silenced i don't know that we can organically navigate that without switching to another app or changing the structure of what's going on at twitter right now
0: we were talking with raven payment she's a twitter user and a native activist we do have to take a short break. Uh, give us a call if you'd like to join our conversation. 1-800-996-2848. Musicians and artists are gathering in Albuquerque this week, and we'll take the opportunity for a two-day look at some of the talent on stage. We start off with the Gathering of MCs Hip Hop Showcase now in its 11th year. We'll hear about that event and sample some music on the next Native America Calling.
7: Yate, fresh spring air is good for kids, but playing outside also comes with stings, falls, bites, scrapes, and other challenges. Learn about injury prevention at insurekidsnow.gov. A message from the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. Ha-
0: You're tuned in to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. Today we're talking about recent controversial actions by the social media giant Twitter. From reinstating racist accounts to mislabeling news groups as government-funded, What are your thoughts on Twitter? Do you trust how Twitter is managed now as compared to before the company was acquired by Elon Musk last year? Do you feel safe using Twitter? Join our conversation at 1-800-996-2848. That's also 1-800-99-NATIVE. I'd like to bring in our second guest on the show today, B. Toasty Oster, who is a staff writer for High Country News. Toasty, as a journalist, tell us how you use Twitter.
2: Well, I only use Twitter uh, in a lurking capacity. I quit Twitter before Elon Musk took over because of, uh, you know, essentially privacy concerns and, um, you know, not wanting to participate in in corporate social media that is basically brokering my data. Um, However, you know, it provides this really important utility, um, especially for people who follow the news or work in the news um, because you can follow journalists and publications directly as well as following scientists and academics and activists. Um, and that's a really important function that it plays. So um, you know I use it to read the news and to follow um, people's work but I don't I don't engage uh, beyond
0: that. Mm-hmm. I I like your self-described Twitter lurking user like that. I I think I want to start using that, Toasty. What are your thoughts on uh, Twitter's government-funded label over NPR?
2: Yeah, it's really concerning um, because I think it's very difficult for a lot of people to delineate between different types of news organizations and publishing organizations and People who are critics of the media sometimes will paint with a very broad brush and use terms like mass media without specifying, you know, what that entails. And they might be lumping in together, you know, uh, clickbait content generating publication with, uh, you know, legitimate like uh, investigative news. And when Twitter comes along and and uses that label um government funded or state funded media you know he's essentially he's equating something like NPR with um you know a propagandist publication or a you know the uh a publication that might be um the voice of a state government which NPR of course is not or the CBC is not you know even mm-hmm. though um the, they have funding models that might come from um, from state sources, so it. I think it's just serving to confuse people more. It's misleading, and you know, of course, people. So some people rely on on Twitter for the news, and now um, publications like NPR are jumping ship. They're not using Twitter anymore, um, and so we're going to have to sort of re reorient and figure out how how we're going to. You know, stay, stay in touch with journalists and publications and our, and our audiences and so on if, uh, if we can't do it anymore through Twitter.
0: Toasty, earlier I mentioned that there, there is a level of responsibility on us as, as users of Twitter if, if we choose to use it. And, I mean, some people might just say, look, you know, you can choose who you want to follow. And so why does it matter if there's racist speech or, or misinformation? What's your response to that?
2: Well, you can just choose who you follow, but I mean, like Raven was saying earlier, you know, the algorithm is really the one in charge on Twitter and that's protected code. You know, it's proprietary. Nobody knows uh, what the parameters of that piece of software are, except people inside Twitter. And that's all controlled by, you know, the whims of this billionaire in charge. So I, I don't think it's quite that simple. Um, and you know, I think we do need to be able to find spaces, uh, especially in Native communities, you know, where we can communicate with each other and, you know, keep the, the digital utility that social media has brought, you know, to to reconnecting us and be able to preserve that in a way that doesn't expose us to, um, you know, hate speech and and the like.
0: Toasty, uh, about a year and a half ago or so, you wrote an article and it's titled, Indian Country Deserves Better Than Facebook. And it's uh, an assessment of just the whole social media landscape as it existed in 2021. And just this idea that, that none of these platforms really, truly address the needs of us as Native people, whether it be Twitter or Instagram or Facebook. What inspired you to write that piece?
2: Well, it was, you know, it was quitting Facebook and it was um, sort of being troubled by Twitter, you know, in the sort of the twilight of Twitter before Elon Musk took over. Um, and, you know, the, the difficulties that I was that I was having, you know, it's a personal essay and it's about the difficulties that I was having personally with some of these questions, because these social media uh, giants, you know, including Facebook, um, they they do provide, you know, they they started as as these kind of fun like experiments, you know, from these Silicon Valley companies, but they became something that now fills a need in society. I mean, if you remember when Twitter started, it was essentially like the status updates from 2010 Facebook, mm-hmm. just kind of isolated into its own thing it was status updates only you know and that's kind of how twitter got started and now it, you know it quickly it quickly uh evolved and uh started filling these niches and filling these roles and um you know live tweeting became a thing and then and then when the protests you know erupted across the nation in 2020 people were live tweeting the protests and we all had this you know access to instant information and realized that, like, okay, what maybe started as, like, a fun Silicon Valley game actually has taken on the role of, you know, something really important in society. Maybe uh, a billionaire shouldn't be, you know, an individual billionaire shouldn't be the one at the helm of something that plays such an important Social function. So that's kind of where that essay came from, and and I guess more specific to Native communities, there are these roles like you know how Native Twitter has connected people, how um, on Facebook, uh, which has Facebook groups, there are these you know different groups of people revitalizing language or researching um, you know these niche you know cultural histories and you know, accumulating, amassing these pieces of information to um, perpetuate tribal cultures in groups that are exclusive to tribal members or or maybe they're regionally based or whatever. It's a really rich place for cultural knowledge and connection with each other. But you've got to be on Facebook to be able to access all that information. And so you have to ask yourself if it's worth the trade-off.
0: Right, right. And, it takes me back to i remember when i first got on the internet back in like the late 90s i remember my very first email account I, I talked to my sister and she was a little bit older than me and she was already using the internet at that point and i remember her just telling me just remember that it's the internet is everything good and it's everything bad and and that's what i hear from you now i mean you know you can use it these platforms to to learn language and culture and things like that but then you can also you know, they can be diverted into these really, really toxic uh, agendas as well. And, I mean, Toasty, looking back, just like you mentioned, like when Twitter first started, I mean, the speed with which it just transformed our society, I mean, does it amaze you looking back that that it happened so quickly?
2: Yeah, it's pretty remarkable. Um, It's pretty remarkable. And I, I think what's happening now is a really good moment in that, Sort of evolutionary process for us to sort of collectively pause and say, okay, this doesn't have to happen uh, like you know a runaway freight train. We can bring some intention into guiding the direction of our social media use, you know, for the future and for future generations. What do we want? What do we need? You know, what's working? Uh, what 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 roles is social media filling? That's necessary. How do we foster those moving forward, and how do we, you know, trim off some of the, some of the stuff we don't like? You know, maybe we don't like um, algorithms or billionaires calling the shots or having our data sold. You know, can we, can we build something new that preserves um, the important functions of existing social media, but doesn't require, you know, those sacrifices?
0: And what what could that be, Toasty? Because going back to, to the title of your article, Indian Country Deserves Better, what could some alternatives be that could serve us better as Native people than these these huge, huge platforms that we're all using now, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, et cetera?
2: Well, a lot of people are trying Mastodon right now, which you mentioned. Um, and what's interesting to me about that platform uh, is that, it's not owned by a billionaire. It's not owned by any one person. It's, um, it's a little bit more like going into a public library versus going into a, an Apple store. Like Mm. you go into an Apple store and everything is pristine and it's, you know, and it's set up in this way. That's, um, you know, it's, Designed to be intuitive, so that it invites you in and makes a very easy process for you to go in and spend money. Whereas a public library is a little bit more. Um, dep- it depends on your library, right? Some uh-huh. some are very nice, and some are uh, some might be a little ramshackle. Um, that's kind of how Mastodon is. It can be a little bit ramshackle. It can, you know, it has its nice components, but it's it's not corporately owned. Um, there's no algorithm. So your feed is strictly people that you follow uh, in the order that they post. It's very simple. Um, now I don't know that that's necessarily going to be the answer uh, or, or the solution, but I think something like Mastodon could be.
0: Okay. Well, it's interesting that analogy you use, Toasty, between going into a, like a public library versus an Apple Store because. What it sounds like to me is that uh, Mastodon, it doesn't have the flash, it doesn't have the pizzazz, it doesn't have the bells and whistles, and it's it sounds like it's probably more work to use than a platform like Twitter, because we heard from Raven earlier saying, well, you know, Twitter very intuitive, right? Very user-friendly. So um, it sounds like that could be challenging, though, for folks that just don't want to embrace that learning curve.
2: Yeah, you know, like, I, a lot of people have said that and I I kind of get that too like when I started there it was a little bit like oh how do I navigate this you know um, and and honestly it's not it's not that bad like <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> it, you, you know you can figure it out pretty quick it's not but it's not i mean raven's right it's not as fluid and intuitive an experience as twitter it's just not you know i mean i i don't think it's that big of an obstacle i think the learning curve might feel a little abrupt at first, but actually like you use it for a day or two and like, oh, okay, I get it. That's no big deal. Um, But that's a problem of like, you know, having this, having this code that's basically shared, it's public and everybody works on it um, together instead of having like a corporate development team whose job it is, you know, to, to make this thing like flashier and fancier and easier.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely so. And, yeah. Um, yeah, just interesting, you know, the way this is all taken off in, in recent years, social media companies like Twitter and, and Facebook, and certainly, uh, have been, uh, under a lot of scrutiny in, in recent months. And, uh, that's what we're talking about today, specifically Twitter and, uh, some of these big, big changes that have occurred there. And, uh, just over the last year since this takeover, give us a call. If, uh, You want to have any questions or any comments, the number 1-800-996-2848. That's also 1-800-99-NATIVE. That works just as well. Give us a call. We'd really love to hear, are you a Twitter user? If so, why did you leave Twitter? If so, why did you make that decision? Or are you perhaps like our guest here, B. Toasty Oster, a lurking Twitter user? Uh, whatever describes you. We'd sure love to hear your thoughts here on Native America Calling today. And uh, Toasty, so you left Twitter um, a while back before the takeover. Any thoughts of going back or and if so what would it take to to get you back on that platform I'm curious
2: I don't know at this point it would take an awful lot I do think about going back though because you know I haven't really found anything else that fills that fills that need the way that Twitter does you know the the and by that need I mean the you know the need to follow news up to the minute and, and to be you know be able to engage with um with people in real time, um, I'm pretty pretty well decided that I'm not not going to go back to using it at this point. But you know, I do think about it from time to time. Um, it can be very fun. Um, you know, I I think it I think at this point my kind of ethos against using corporate. Um, Using corporate social media at least in a in a very active capacity is is pretty staunch, so I think mm. I'll give it a pass
0: all righty, Raven, how about you because I know that that you're actively using Twitter um, what more could happen and I, I keep think, thinking like we're just waiting for the next shoe to drop here with some of these issues at at companies like Twitter, but what would it take do you think for you to just hey that's it I'm done no more Twitter for me Raven.
6: Oh, man. I feel like thoroughly shamed right now and like (laughs) reevaluating my choices in relation to (laughs) privacy. Um, You know, I don't know that I have a a perfect scenario of what it would take for me to leave. Um, One of the things I track most right now is interactions with um, these accounts that promote hate speech um, and attacking, you know, any other group, whether it's, us in the Native community, or our Black relatives, or our friends in the LGBTQ community—that's um, the thing that I find myself concerned with the most. Um, and you know, it's it's protection of those people, and also my own sanity. So, right now, that's most what I'm worried about. But I'm probably going to go reevaluate my privacy as soon as we get off this call. <laughs>
0: oh geez a, a a moment of reckoning for raven payment here on native america calling and i think that's pretty cool because raven i know you've got uh you are you, you are a strong opinion person and, and you've got a lot of very firm beliefs and, and to get you to kind of sway a little bit like that wow that's that's significant uh for sure here on native america calling uh anybody here that'd like to chime in or, or ask a question of one of our guests today You're talking about twitter and, and some of these recent changes Uh, Big news here on Native America Calling, and we're covering it for you here live on the air. So what are you waiting for? We've got open phone lines, 1-800-996-2848. We'll be right back.
5: This Mother's Day, you can give all the mothers in your life truly unique gifts from SweetgrassTradingCo.com, a Ho-Chunk, Inc. company where you can choose from a variety of food, beauty, and wellness items from tribes across Turtle Island. Ho-Chunk, Inc. supports this show. Support by the Gathering of Nations Pow Wow. A live event taking place April 27th, 28th, and 29th on the Powwow grounds of Expo New Mexico, featuring song, dance, Trader's Market, horse parade, and more. Tickets available at gatheringofnations.com and at the gates.
0: Thanks for listening to Native America Calling. We're focusing on Twitter today. With the social media platform becoming more unpredictable, how do you know the information you're getting is accurate? Has the Twitter space and native Twitter community changed recently? Call us at 1-800-996-2848. That number again, 1-800-996-2848. Let's go to the phones now where we have Mark, who is listening on KYUK up in Bethel, Alaska. Good morning, Mark.
8: Hey, good morning, Sean, and uh, guests there. uh, I'm a pretty active Twitter user. My uh, Twitter name is at Mark Springer, and... I just want to say that Native Twitter and and more likely Natives on Twitter, uh, Alaskan Natives, Native Americans, and even Indigenous folks from around the world are really an important component of uh, – What's on the platform? At least, at least for me, as a as a non-native, you know, I'm I'm learning something new every day. It's an opportunity for folks to um, share a cultural expression. Um, you know, it's great seeing uh, videos on Twitter of uh, you know little kids uh, dancing um, or people engaging in uh, you know, crafts they've made. Another important component that I haven't heard mentioned, uh, and it is applicable to Native Twitter and, and to other um, groups on Twitter, is mutual aid. Um, it, it, it's real legit when people when people need help. You see folks saying, "Hey, I'm on, on, a, on a road trip and I'm out of gas. You know, can somebody help me out with a few bucks?" And right. uh, and they do. So that's that's really important. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of people throw their hands up and leave Twitter, go to Mastodon. I've got a couple of Mastodon accounts. Um, Twitter is – it's really it's, – it's more fun because it, for all the, the, the yucky stuff that shows up, you know, you can always block it. Um, but sometimes it does make you think a little bit, and sometimes you can engage with, um, you know, some of those folks uh, successfully or not. Uh, but at least be able to uh, get back into their faces, just like the way they've gotten into um, our faces. So um, I'm not going anywhere. I think Twitter is really valuable, especially here in Alaska. We have a real thriving uh, Twitter community, and it gives us an opportunity in many cases, sometimes uh, just in one direction, but to um, speak truth to power. So thanks very much.
0: Mark, thank you for that great take. Again, that was Mark uh, listening up in Bethel, Alaska. Let's take another caller now. Bruce uh, listening in Orofino, Idaho on K-I-Y-E. Hello, Bruce. Hey there.
9: Uh, I used to live in, in Nevada, and we uh, put a battery factory, Elon Musk, did in, in Reno. They got a, a bunch of money from the state of Nevada, from the schools, from the roads, in, in order to build this battery factory. So people got hurt in his battery factory. They were losing fingers, Mm -hmm. all sorts of stuff. So OSHA came in, and OSHA wanted to look at his safety records and check his factory out, but but he wouldn't let him in. And so OSHA went back to a, a judge there in the county where his battery factory was, and the judge gave him a warrant and said, y- you know, you've you got to let these people in. you got to give them the information. Mm. He-, he wouldn't allow it. He, he wouldn't even allow the-, the-, the police into his factory. Mm-hmm. So they went to the governor, and the governor just told Osha to back off, leave him alone. And so I don't. I really don't think this guy can be trusted. Uh, w- w- would, w- would you fly on SpaceX? <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right, that's Bruce up in Orofino, Idaho. Boy, that's a tough question there, Bruce. Uh, you're putting me on the spot. I think I'm going to have to pivot this conversation because that is a question I don't want to answer on the air. And uh, let's bring in now uh, we have a third guest who's joining us today. Jordan Bennett Begay, she's an editor for the Indian country, excuse me, ICT, and a member of the board of directors for the Native American Journalists Association. She's Diné. Jordan, welcome back to NAC.
7: Hi, thanks for having me.
0: You bet, Jordan, and uh, Tell us more. I, I know that ITC responded to uh, NPR's government-funded label on Twitter, and, and like our show here, Native America Calling, ICT uses money from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting to air news via public media. So how did you folks handle that?
7: Mm-hmm. Um, we just, you know, pulled away. We, we, uh, we started talking about it internally and um, started seeing like the labels that uh, Twitter was giving NPR um, and just seeing like what was going on. And I think I been a lot of us have been monitoring it for you know since uh, Elon Musk took it over and just seeing what Twitter's become now, it just we just felt like it was the right thing to do um, just to step away and no longer post fresh content to Twitter. Um, and a lot of it, too, is we, uh, we looked at our analytics um, for all social media platforms and Twitter like brings in very little to none, no traffic for us. Um, and, you know, it, it just, it just became um, a hassle. And so, I mean, we know that there's like native Twitter um, out there and like people engage on it, but it just really, since the um, takeover from um, the ownership of it from us, it, are our, I think engagement has also, like, decreased significantly. So we mm-hmm. just thought it was the right thing to do. And, you know, Twitter is just a place for a community, for uh, ICT to connect with its audience, and it just no longer does that. Um, and I really found, too, since um, I've been with ICT since it's, uh, it's been revived in 2018, um, it, it just uh, – the conversations that happen in the community and on the ground – are usually different from what's happening on Twitter or online. Um, there's very little overlap. Uh, sometimes, depending on the issue, there's huge overlaps. but very much they're different conversations happening. Um, Jordan, so uh,
0: Okay go ahead. I'm sorry. I mean, that's interesting what you're describing here. It's a different conversation. So could you describe that? I mean, is it like a, a different tone of the conversation? Is it like more, is it more animated? Is it perhaps... More hostile, or I mean, how would you describe like the difference between what you read on Twitter versus like what you actually hear when you're in a community?
7: Yeah, um, I mean, it just also depends like how people are involved in their community too. So, for one of I mean, for example, last year when we're, when um, uh, Roe v. Wade was overturned, we were talking about even before that, like how should we cover this? What 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 way should we cover this? Um, and you know, a lot of people. We're saying, oh my gosh, I was this name from Native women? And and ter- in our newsroom, we thought this is already happening to Native women. It always has been happening with the Hyde Amendment. Um, so, and and also the establishment of abortion clinics um, or even like women clinics on uh, tribal lands. Like, can people do that? Uh, can tribes do that? And we're like, whoa, the, uh, <laughs> what, what's <laughs> happening in the community? And what's like. Uh, what's out there is completely different from what people are talking about online. So I think there's just a different understanding and there's different, um, people who are, uh, I guess like leading organizations or, um, leadership roles. There's just different voices and narratives, um, going on. I mean, I heard recently we were talking about this actually, um, in February with another group of indigenous journalists. And one of them said, yes, uh, about a hundred percent of journalists or media is on Twitter and only 10% of the world is. (laughs) (laughs) And, and I remember, yeah, exactly. And I remember jumping on Twitter even when I was back in grad school and I had to like get a hang of it. And immediately I noticed a lot of just media is on there. Um, so that was, and if I recall correctly, um, that platform was created for media. It was created for news organizations and journalists and, you know, the the public just started getting on there and, you know, kind of morphed into what it was um, before Musk took it over. So um, it just, and overall it just felt right for us to step away. It just really um, brought nothing to us. And, you know, what we really as a news organization strive to is to have people come and read our stories and to watch our newscasts um, that way and to get their content that way, because that's where the news is. That's, that's where the stories are.
0: And Jordan to clarify here so ICT is no longer posting new content to Twitter but ICT still maintains a Twitter account is that correct
7: Correct, yes yes so we no longer post fresh content to our press poll account um, our op-ed account and our main brand account um, our individuals like a staff employees can it's you know their personal accounts it's up to them if they want to keep going but our organization accounts. Um, we no longer post fresh content
0: to. All righty. And does ICT provide any oversight for, for your reporters in their their personal accounts? or Are they free to post whatever they feel comfortable with?
7: Yeah, they, yep, they're free to post uh, what they're comfortable with. They post, they're free to post their stories or ICT stories. You know, it, it, it's up to them. Um, but we thought it was important as um, an organization to, um, you know, to, to stop and stop and just you know just because of the attack on of twitter on news organizations journalists and uh journalism it was just very unsettling and it just didn't sit right i mean even before we stopped posting my predecessor and um our founding our founding editor um he, mark trahan he stepped away from twitter he completely deleted his account i think probably in the fall maybe after um a month after Elon Musk took it over maybe within a few weeks of that too so it just again just really does nothing for us um and a lot of our social media data actually about 90 percent of it comes from Facebook so that's where a lot of our communities are
0: gotcha gotcha Mm -hmm. let's go back to the phones where we have Chanupa listening on Keeley up in Pine Ridge Chanupa hello
9: Hey, hello, thank you. You know, uh, one thing that I wanted to comment on is Twitter is a good tool. And a lot of grandparents here on the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation teach the Lakota language to some of the grandchildren that stay home with them because uh, a lot of times they get mistreated in the public schools. But Twitter and Facebook have always been something as a norm to help children understand. It's like this little prayer, real briefly. They say, that's a good way to implement sometimes the language. And when the grandmothers and grandfathers teach their tacos, meaning grandkids, that would be an opportunity for Twitter to make that type of scenario to help kids better understand that the language is still alive. Back to you, Sean.
0: All righty. Well, Tanupa, I sure appreciate that call. Good take. Uh, Coming to us from Pine Ridge, South Dakota. And Jordan, I, I want to go back to you. And again, at the heart of, of this discussion today is this idea of what constitutes, uh, you know, state affiliated media or state funded media. And and I think for a, a lot of our listeners, they might not really be clear on, on like what that means in terms of editorial control for uh, an organization like ICT or us here on Native America Calling. So could you explain that? for our listeners today i mean what does it mean to editorial control separate from from government funders or advertisers
7: yeah sure um I, I think a good example for us is uh actually using ict as an example um so when we were revived in 2018 um i remember they brought on again my predecessor mark Treyhant, um and, and they meaning the national congress of american indians ncai they brought on mark to revive it and he told them the only way this is going to happen is if uh, we have complete editorial independence. Um, the only thing, you know, you control is just the, you know, make our accounting, that's it. <laughs> um, no. But our content, everything else, like, you know, we're, all, we're on your payroll, but also editorial control is us. It is not, that is not what journalism is, especially when NCI is, um, you know, a, a, a in simple terms, like a political organization, that's not gonna look good. Um, and that was really important to us because we didn't want that control um, from anybody else except for from journalists. So anytime we, um, and, and they understood and they gave us leeway. So um, I was, again, a ICTs first staff reporter and producer, and we finally uh, kind of separate, separated from NCAA and now we own ourselves about since two years ago, actually 2021. Um, and any time we reported on NCAI, we were very transparent about it and put a disclaimer at the bottom saying they are our owners, but we are editorially independent. You know, they don't control, they don't read our stories before they get published. Uh, we don't allow that. We, you know, have our editors read it and you know put, put that out there too. Um, so that's what it means to be editorially independent. We we control um, you know the publishing and the content too, and. And this actually brings up, you know, a great point in that editorial independence into their own tribal press too. I think only of all 574 tribes, uh, five of them, if I recall correctly, um, have uh, free press laws. And so, majority of Indian country doesn't have free press laws. You know, their newspaper, the local papers, owned by their tribal government, and a right. lot of times, you know, they have to read the content because council or like their president or chairman doesn't want their government to be seen in the bad light, which is terrible too. So, I mean, I feel like that's a bigger issue than Twitter. I mean, I feel like a lot of, um, you know, Native people have to look at their own tribal press and, you know, try to figure out how do we get our tribal newspaper to become independent? You know, how do we um, get that going? Because a lot of times, you have to go to your tribal constitution and uh, put in uh, tribal press or free, uh, free press laws into there. Um, there's a really great documentary that came out from the executive director of NAJA, uh, Rebecca Lansbury, called Bad Press. And they document the fight for free press for the um, Muscogee uh, Nation and Muscogee Media. So I recommend people just watch that.
0: Alrighty, righty. Jordan, that's a really good point you bring up re- regarding uh, the free press, specifically as it applies to tribal papers. And I know that many tribal papers, uh, you know, it's kind of hard to tell when you look at them. You can't really tell for sure whether or not, you know, they're controlled by a tribal government or not. So thank you so much, Jordan, for joining us with those insights. And we are going to have to wrap up now. But I I want to thank all of our guests, Jordan, as well as Raven Payment and B. Toasty Oster. Also, our callers today. Those were some great calls. Keep them coming, folks. Uh, Again, today we discussed fresh perspectives on Twitter and its impact on Native users. Join us again tomorrow for some live music from this year's Gathering of MCs with Defy. I'm Sean Spruce, wishing you safe travels. If you're on your way to Albuquerque for the Gathering of Nations powwow coming up this week. Support by the American Indian College
5: Fund. The American Indian College Fund provides millions of dollars of scholarships to thousands of Native students every year. Tribal citizens of every age and experience are eligible. The deadline for applications is May 31st, and you can find everything you need to apply at collegefund.org. That's collegefund.org or by phone at 800-766-FUND. Education is the answer. Program support by Amerind. For 35 years, Indian Country has put its trust in Amerind, providing insurance coverage, strengthening Native American communities, protecting tribal sovereignty, and keeping dollars in Indian Country are Amerind's priorities. More information on property liability, workers' compensation, and commercial auto needs at Amerind.com. That's A-M-E-R-I-N-D.com.